Welcome to Scenes of Beauty, a platform that is here to empower you to embrace your most authentic self and celebrate your own version of beauty, whatever that might be. I'm Chloe and I'm making it my mission to help people find and live their truest selves. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast and taking things away from it, hit the follow and subscribe button, share with friends and on your socials. I'm at the very beginning of the Scenes of Beauty journey and it helps more than you know to grow the platform. This week's episode is with Laura Capon. A journalist in the beauty industry who has worked for some of the major titles, including Elle and Cosmo. Laura has a really refreshing and pure approach when it comes to beauty. She sees beauty for what it is and what it means to people versus pushing for her readers to obtain something that isn't achievable or authentic to them. When I listened back to this episode, a dominant thought in my head was what a breath of fresh air Laura is. She isn't your stereotypical successful beauty career woman. The success in her career wasn't down to who she knew or where she hung out, but it was really down to her passion, talent, intellect and empathy for beauty consumers. Laura shares stories of being on the magazine editorial floor, what it's like to be behind the scenes of beauty journalism and in the magazines. She also shares some useful tips on career advice and how to succeed in the beauty industry. Something that I wasn't really expecting to come from this episode was the conversation and vulnerability from Laura around being plus size, particularly in the beauty industry and the challenges that she's faced, which was heart-wrenching to listen to, but also a really good realisation that we actually need to be doing a lot better No one at all on this planet should have to prove themselves or be made to feel a certain type of way because of how they look or who they are. Everyone should be accepted exactly as they come. The podcast was always designed to have guests on to share their stories and realities in the hope that listeners feel more relatability and acceptance in who they are. So if you have feelings of familiarities when listening to this episode, please, please reach out, whether that's through DM, email or anything else, because I would love to help and support you in any way that I can. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's Laura's version of beauty. Hi, Laura. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm really good, thank you. Well, happy Friday. It is Friday. I was like, what day is yeah, it? Yeah, it's Friday. I'm worried it's really dark. It's it's just a bit grey out there, but it's it's April. We can't we can't complain. I know. Well, I was thinking like when is spring or summer starting? Because I mean it's May next week. I know, but do you know what? I keep saying this. I keep flashing back to last summer, you know, that hottest day. And I'm just like, no, I can't, I can't do it again. So like I'm not gonna complain about the weather. Like it'd be grey. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I know a little sunshine wouldn't go amiss, but anyway, um, usually I start episodes with like backstory and journey and how you got into beauty, but I just wanted to throw like, I just wanted to throw a question out there of what is beauty to you? And obviously we'll talk about it at the end on like what your version of beauty is, but I think like you're a beauty journalist and you... Get access and visibility to beauty from so many different angles. So I was just interested to start this in a different way to what I usually do, and then we'll backtrack. But yeah, what is beauty to you? I think beauty to me is self-expression. So in the same way that a fashion is what you wear, that kind of you, you can almost represent aspects of your personality through your fashion. I see that with beauty and like with the brands you align yourself with and how it's kind of ever-changing um you can change how do you know what I mean like if I'm feeling in a certain mood my makeup like might reflect that um and also just how everyone is approached to beauty is different so like reflecting that I see beauty as like real individuality and yeah self-expression I would say yeah I definitely think like the industry is a really colorful space at the moment isn't it and it moves and changes yeah and I think I definitely see beauty more like that because being plus size I can't and I still can't really represent my personality through my clothes but I can do it through like my hair through my makeup so for me that's probably how I see it because that has always been my outlet yeah that's interesting how talk us through that journey then of like coming into a space of expression through beauty so I guess it was always a thing I loved like even when I was like I had a Saturday job in the bakers right and um and I used to mop the floors after school and then then I got promoted to Saturday girl (laughs) and I remember even then like I would save up and I would go and buy this was like when Versace had a makeup line and I would go and buy like their lip glosses (laughs) it just made me feel like I guess it made me feel like more than like a Saturday girl working in a baker's, you know what I mean? It really made me feel like someone. Um, And then I'd say where I am kind of now, I guess for a long time, makeup was, I just loved it because I, I just had full access to it. You know, I guess it's a bit like if I was like a size 10 and had full access to Zara, you know, I've always had full access to beauty. So for ages, I would wear so much makeup up and I just would love I would spend like an hour doing my makeup because I just love doing it and to now I just want to have more fun with my makeup so like I'm probably more creative I mean not now with my makeup like I might try like kind of more colorful looks I'm trying to do that with my hair as well um I feel like just kind of like seeing makeup as and hair and beauty as just more of like an experimentation and like to kind of reflect my mood and a bit of like an art form as well yeah 
Yeah. And I'm literally sitting here with like a nude lip, mascara, like, yeah, real art form. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's the beauty of it. Like I've got no makeup on today, but yesterday I had like a full face of makeup and I just, it's how I wanted to be. And I think that's the point. Like you can be whoever you want to be by what you put on your face. Yeah, it is like, isn't it? It's like painting. It's, I don't know. I don't definitely don't spend as long as my, on my makeup as I used to. I don't, I think I almost get bored quicker now. Like I'm like, how did I spend an hour? Like now my makeup is always like 10 minutes, but also like I feel really comfortable with no makeup now. Whereas before I would never have felt comfortable with no makeup. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I like that I have that balance now. Yeah. What was the journey of that? Like being comfortable, more comfortable in your bare skin? I think for like a lot of people, it was probably um, COVID. Yeah. Like you just got kind of used to it. And like, because I remember before COVID, like when I worked at Cosmo and a few times, say if we were filming something, I'd go into the office with no makeup on like really early and I'd feel like awkward, like looking someone in the eye or do you know what I mean? You know that thing where you're like, mm. um, and then also kind of being online more, like sometimes I got to a point where, it was frustrating to want to film a video or like make a story but having to put makeup on to do it do you know what I mean it would be like oh I just want to like say something on my stories but I look like shit and then I feel like we'll just look like shit like and also it's I just think people get it more because I'm not constantly sitting here like I've done my makeup for this podcast like so just to kind of pop up with your hair like chucked on top of your head yeah like not a stitch of makeup on actually makes people kind of feel more comfortable with you do you know what I mean and it's also like it's just more of like what real life is so I think yeah COVID a combination of just getting basically realizing I wouldn't get half the things done if I waited until I had a full face of makeup on so kind of laziness as well (laughs) so interesting because I I actually I've stopped creating content for the channel and I just put podcast clips on there and I'm like should I start doing them again because part of me enjoyed them part of me hates them but I used to procrastinate because I couldn't be bothered to put my makeup on or I didn't want to put my makeup on I really like having a fresh face and I like at times not not wearing makeup and at times I love wearing makeup but a lot of the time I find it a bit of a chore to put on Um, yeah and I think especially say if you've done your whole work like working day from home or whatever and you know you're literally putting on makeup to film this video it's like oh and I think TikTok was huge for that because like people on TikTok I know I wouldn't think anything of someone that had no makeup and I watched their whole video you know you realize you're like I don't necessarily want to see someone in like full glam so why am I holding myself to that standard yeah it's funny isn't it it's funny how like we're comfortable with seeing things from other people yet not from ourselves do you know what I mean yeah it's just it's that that hypercriticalness isn't it of like you realize that when you look at yourself you see um it's always how I think of like how um like back when I was at school it's always how I thought like boys saw um like girls how just like kind of like a blur do you know what I mean? Like, that's how you see everyone else, but to yourself, it's like you see every pore in your skin, you see, like, every single, like, wrinkle, every grey hair poking out. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just realising that no one cares that much about your face, which is, you know, is actually quite refreshing. Yeah, I think so. Um, we did dive right in, but you're a beauty journalist. 
and yes. um, you kind of give us a bit of a backstory about how you started to like beauty, beauty and enjoy beauty but give us the rundown of like how you became a beauty journalist because we've had you know a couple of other journalists on the podcast and their journeys have been completely different and I think I think I said it in those episodes too but journalism is one of those things that it's almost I don't know if you feel like this but because you are a journalist but I've always thought that journalists are a bit like over there not not um they're not so much now because of social media, but very behind the scenes and very telling the story and all eyes, all ears, but actually. Like a war journalist, like a proper journalist. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I think they're a bit like in in the average person's mind, like a bit out of touch. Does that, not out of touch, but like out of sight kind of thing? I don't know where, do you know? Yeah, what I mean? well, it's like a behind the scenes role, isn't it? It's almost yeah. like before you wouldn't it was about your output yeah well where I'm going with it yeah and it's quite interesting for people to hear the behind the scenes of it and how the realities of like becoming a journalist because it's a really cool job and like I said before you get you get whichever industry you're in but with beauty you get um you get it from all different angles um from a brand perspective from a consumer perspective from a product perspective from a, an events perspective or beauty in real life or body image or how beauty makes us feel like you talk about it from loads of different angles um so let's go into that but yeah share your story of um how you got into journalism I feel like I've told it so many times it's boring but so I try and like and it's also really uh, there's no there's no clear path here um so I really took the long route and got lost several times um so I went to like a normal comprehensive school um and I was one of those people that never knew what they wanted to do and I feel like if you feel like that like there's such a kindred spirit between us because it's the worst I always say it's the worst when you just don't know what you want to do because like I remember kind of year 11 and it was like you know stayed on a sixth form because it was like well what else am I going to do like a lot of things I just was like well what else am I going to do you know it was almost like delaying making a decision which is classic me um so yeah just never knew I went to uni for like two days and quit I was like such a (laughs) failure in so many ways um and I'd always loved beauty but yeah and I'd always been arty so my kind of I went down an art route and doing makeup like actual like makeup application so I did after uni no 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 after college after sixth form if you want to do art you have to do like a foundation degree in art first so again I was like well I'll do my foundation which is a year at college and I was like, well, I'll do that. Like, after have delayed another year. Yes. <laughs> so I did that. And then, um, again, when you have, you have to, like, choose a specialism. And, again, it was like, I don't know what I want to specialise in. I could never visualise a job out of it. And, like, now I'm older. I look back and I'm like, oh, you could have done that. And you could be making plates for, like, John Lewis and designs. You know, but at the time I just was just couldn't, I, I couldn't grasp it. Where were college. you? Where did you? Um, where were you brought up? In Croydon, so just outside. It's like South London, like Greater London. 
yeah but I think also because I didn't have like my dad was a printer my mum works with like nursery schools I guess I didn't know anyone that had like a creative yeah job and I don't know I've spoken to people since like I feel so many people in this industry have gone to like a private school and I've spoken to I remember I was talking to Dom Skinner um who's on the glow up um Matt creator I think it's creative director I probably got that wrong and we went to the theatre together and we were just talking. I think we talked about politics. And he was just saying how, like, you just don't ever, if you went to, like, a comprehensive school, you just think certain things aren't for you. You can just never, because you're never made to think that is an option. Do you know what I mean? It's always like, oh, you'll be a teacher or you would go and work in an office. Do you? Know, is it, I think in some ways you are a bit limited by your surroundings. And I just didn't have anyone that was like, this is a job, you know? Like, I knew I wanted something in beauty, but, like, I, I didn't know kind of what the options were. That's kind of why I asked, because I think it, and I'm the same, I come from a small little town in, in Yorkshire and it's it's really hard to break the mould. And then it's really hard to keep, to keep breaking the mould and also to keep believing in yourself that actually what you want to do is achievable because everyone else around you is not doing that. Do you know what I mean? It's a really... Yeah, I I just think that's why I could never like envision a career kind of thing or even like fully understand some of these like options that I could have had um so yeah the college was also doing um like actual like makeup courses in the evening so I started doing a makeup course in the evenings because I loved the makeup and (laughs) some of my portfolio oh god it was always my poor brother was always the model and it some oh god (laughs) I can see why but I was like okay I can do that like I like this so then that was like my hyper focus so I was like right I'm gonna apply to London College of Fashion because that was the one I'd heard of to do makeup and I wanted to do it I love film so it was like well I want to do makeup on films and I got an interview and I remember I didn't get in and like their feedback was um, that I should apply for the fashion side because you would either do like film, which is more special effects or fashion. And I remember at the time I was like, I hate fashion. Like, no. And looking back, I can totally see why they said that because I don't have that attention to detail. I'm not very, I'm not perfectionist. I am much more of a little creative that's, very much like I don't know a bit wilder maybe so I would have that like expression would have suited me better with fashion but at the time I was like I like films though like I don't like fashion <laughs> so once I got turned down from that I was like well I'm lost because I everything had been you know focused on that so yeah I went to this other uni for two days we all glossed over that and I quit I mean it was like a day and a half and I didn't even do go to a single lesson so don't don't ever feel like a failure compared to that and then I think my mum and dad were like, look, I, obviously at this point, if you think how much like further education I'd done, it was like, you need to just get a job. So I got a job in insurance and I was there for like six years. And it's so interesting that you can just, it's absolutely wild to me that school is so focused on what you're good at. And this whole time it was like picking a specialism. And I ended it up in a job that I was not very good at. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, like, it's so weird how, okay, so all of that was for, for nothing. And it was basically like, we're calculating like death benefits and for people that were off work sick. And 
I hated it. And I just think I was just then stuck in it. Cause like, once you're in there, how do you get out? But then I was, my privilege was that my dad is a huge Crystal Palace fan and he has a season ticket and the person that he sits next to and still does is Louise, who was the editor of Cosmopolitan, Louise Court. Yeah, yeah. So um, she basically, her PA left. And obviously, I, th- I, I think my dad must have said nice things to her about me because I was like an admin assistant. And she asked me to interview for her PA role. And I remember when she offered me the job and it was like a big, like a a big pay drop basically and it was really difficult because I had done as well it's hard because I'm missing out stuff but also in between I had done interning at magazines because I and I also had attempted to be a beauty therapist so I have (laughs) yeah if this will take me ages but I knew it was something in beauty I wanted so that's why I entered on the beauty desk and that's why I was like oh I'll be a beauty therapist and none of it so when Louise finally gave me this offer of PA, I remember I almost said no because it was this pay cut. And I was like, it's not what I want to do. But I remember just thinking, like, you literally cannot turn this down. Like, it was more like, if you turn this down, what would everyone say? Like, this will be your life forever. Um, so, yeah, I became Louise's PA at Cosmo. And that's how I finally, like, yeah, got in. Yeah. <laughs> but I really went, like, round the absolute houses and back again. Yeah, I think that's, I think there's learnings in that there of like, also, I I have this conversation with myself a lot, like I'm really slow paced, I'm, it takes me ages to do everything, it takes me ages to think about things, I get overwhelmed really quickly. So then I'm like the same person. (laughs) Yeah. But then I came to the conclusion that nothing's going to happen really quickly for me, because I wouldn't be able to cope with it. So like, the that's so true. That's so true. But I yeah, and, and like the podcast, for example, I, I, you, when I first started, I was like, I want it to get to this many downloads. I want to have a production. I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want to feature magazines and I want to do all of this stuff and I want to host. And I'm like, and that's going to take you at least like a good few years because when you need to be established and two, you, I couldn't cope. If that happened to me tomorrow, I won't be able to cope with it because it's just not how, how I'm paced. Yeah. That overwhelming is something that I've probably only in the last like two years realized, like I never use the word overwhelmed so much, but I feel like if you you know what you can cope with and what you can't cope with. Yeah. So then I think like your journey of going around the houses, so to speak, like I think I think it teaches you so much about yourself, but also you've probably picked up loads of different information along the way that you wouldn't have. Yeah. And I think it also did make me realise what I really want. Because I remember when I was interning, basically I really want, I'd use my holiday from work. So I use my annual leave and intern. So I really needed like a longer internship to kind of break that cycle. And there was one with best and it was a year long internship. And I remember I had to do a project for it. And I think I got down to the final two. And when I didn't get that, I remember like that I was like crushed. And so, you know, you're like, I do really want this. It it did help me realize what I, you know, other stuff that I gave up, like the uni and the makeup, like actual artistry. I wasn't crushed about that, but I was crushed that I didn't get this internship. Yeah. Why do you think you like didn't do uni or you use the word failure a lot? Like, I think I really did feel like there's a lot of things at that time. So I am quite a homebody. I'm definitely like close to my family. So I went to this uni in Somerset and it's always, also I feel, I still feel, do you know what? It's something now that I still feel embarrassed about. Like it is, 
one of those things that like I will joke about it like but every now and then like I don't know if you have a brother but what brothers are like and my brother would be like oh do you remember when you went to uni law I'm just like, <laughs> Shut up um and I had a boyfriend at the time like and I I just I don't think I wanted to go I think that was the, I think if I'd really it wasn't what I really wanted to do but I, I'd just kind of gone through the motions because I didn't know what else to do like even remember being in like Ikea and getting all my like stuff and thinking like I wish I could just tell my mum I don't want to go but I felt like it was too late and also a bit like you because I am do have to I always feel like I'm a bit delayed (laughs) I feel sometimes it's hard because it's like I know I do need a bit of pushing so it's hard to know when it's like you need a bit of pushing or when you genuinely are like actually no I don't want to be pushed yeah it's It's yeah yeah and I think at at that age as well like I don't know if it ever fully goes away but you're comparing yourself to what everyone else is doing and so if everyone else is going to uni and you don't want to you're like yeah all my friends are at uni and like my sister is like my sister is like the brains of our family and she was just like excelling and it was just like oh we're like and again like again not really knowing my options it was like well if I don't go to uni I yeah it was like an office you know what I mean it was just like well and you just feel like it's just the end of the world like I don't know you just it's weird how your life feels almost like so short at that point it's like well because people don't stay in the same careers now at all but I guess I because I'm 36 so when I was at school in that kind of age I do think approach to careers were different I'd like to think they were different now but it was very much like it's like a career for life whereas like now no one would say that yeah I was actually going to say to you like do you you think it would be a different story if you were going through the education system now because I feel like we're we're exposed to a lot more are we exposed to a lot more opportunities I kind of think if I was to be honest if it was still the same school still I think it would be similar I think yeah I, I think realistically in those kind of options I think it would probably be similar yeah interesting what is it about failure that kind of triggers something do you think um I think it's like embarrassment um like why can't couldn't I do something that everyone else could do do you know what I mean like everyone else went to uni and absolutely loved it and had like the time of their lives and it's like oh I miss home um (laughs) so I think it's like I think it's a bit of embarrassment and one of the things that kind of I mentioned being like plus size and stuff and like as I've kind of like met more people online read more things I think one of the things when you feel I think one of of the things like when you're bigger and you feel like I don't know you've had like a lot of horrible like abuse over to you over the years you almost want to make up for the fact that you're bigger so I know it sounds silly, but like being really kind, being like a good person. So it's almost like I feel like my whole life I've almost wanted to make up for the fact. So it's like I have less room for error. Do you know? I I don't know if that makes any sense. So it's kind of really emotional. (laughs) (laughs) No, I always cry. (laughs) Um, So I feel like it's like I can't be a bad person or not a good person because people don't necessarily see me as a good person to begin with so I have to fight harder and then I don't know if I don't know if I'm making any sense but yeah it's kind of like I have to like 
I don't know if I mess up it's like oh you you might not get like that second chance yeah I think there's a lot you know you like kind of you know when people say like oh in therapy I'm not in therapy I probably I feel like it's very like American to say that but it's the kind of stuff and I do think you can have too much therapy but there is definitely stuff that I've like seen online and I think I can really relate to that I can really relate to that thing of having to almost go above and beyond because you're like the fat one yeah where does that I mean I know where it comes from but I want to ask you like where that comes from and when you started to realize that because actually let's dive into that because I've never actually spoken about it probably in the depths that we'll probably go into in terms of being plus size or feeling like you're bigger and therefore having to because because saying it out loud is is crazy to hear like having to make up for it in in other areas or like not being able to be a failure or get think like we're all human like everyone messes up and everyone makes mistakes but to have that pressure on yourself I honestly only realized it like quite recently like in the last couple of years because I always had this thing of like I would really hate that idea that I upset someone um and I know that's like that's like a kind of people pleaser isn't it but it would make me really upset and then it was kind of also realizing that like I don't know I was going kind of above and beyond to kind of have like to be almost like want that um acceptance from people and like I think I don't know it's stuff like I I was reading this book recently and they would it was talking about um this girl that's plus size and she's dating this boy and it's from the boy's perspective and he's saying how like he was talking about how like he, he it's horrible how it's worded it's like oh the fat girl is always happy to see you and she always remembers exactly what you've been doing and I was like yeah all of that stuff where you I don't know I could just really relate to it this feeling of like you were trying so hard because you want them to I don't know it's like it's like just to constantly be that best version of yourself because you want them to be like I'm fat but look at all these other great things I am do you know what I mean it's like you just yeah yeah it's hard because it's also some of those things like to unpack them fully I feel it's like I did do CBT once for anxiety and like um sometimes they ask you a question you're like I don't know and they're like okay and they make you like break it down and sometimes like almost breaking it down that much to get to the root you know what the answer is but you just don't want to say it yeah yeah I don't know where to go from here (laughs) it's 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 so thought-provoking though isn't it and it's just I just think people like to to be made to feel this is this is the whole like such an ammunition for what the podcast is and what the podcast is about because to be made to feel a certain way because of how you look to me is just like I can't comprehend it in my brain so when I have conversations like this it's I'm almost at a mute point because I don't get it I just find it the strangest thing and I think you know for I can relate to some to some stuff you've said and I always got kind of bullied for being bigger and stuff when I was younger and it always even now like made me feel not good enough or like I didn't fit in with the crowd or whatever and it it sucks to be made to feel like that but to feel yeah. like you have to make up for it in certain areas or go above and beyond like, that's actually not okay 
Yeah, and I think it's something you don't realise. Like I said, I only think I've realised it like recently, but I think it's kind of almost like I know if someone was to like insult me, it would always be like you fat bitch or something. Like it would always be, that would always be the thing that's used. And I feel like if I didn't have that, it's like, I don't want to give them a reason to insult me because I know what the insult will be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's even in like those situations, you just want to be, I don't know, like if someone was rude to me, I almost wouldn't want to be rude back because I know what where it will go. And I know that how hurt I'll get, I won't be able to like deal with it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's there's so much like, yeah, school and like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you are accepting of yourself? I think. Because speaking from like the outside looking in, and we can go into this if we want to, but you seem really happy and bubbly and confident and get comfortable in who you are. So I'm interested to hear like. I feel like I'm comfortable in like, I'm like there's a lot of things that I am like I'm a lot more confident than I used to be so I feel like I'm like I know I'm a good person I know that like you know like I know like I'm inherently a good person and I think if you know that about yourself that's like a huge thing but I, I wouldn't say that I love being bigger I love how I look but my main thing is that like I just don't want anyone to feel like they have to look a certain way like I don't to kind of like succeed and I almost want to like my how I how I try and look at is is like I don't want how I look or like my size to to be a discussion point do you know what I mean it's like if you were if you if I wasn't plus sized I wouldn't probably have the confidence question or anything and I almost want it to just be like that I don't I just want to be just want to be me (laughs) but do do you know what I mean I and I think also because of how much I've read and like I think the journey that I've been on and understanding like I I mean I hate I wish there was a different term than fat phobia because I think it turns people off but I think once you have read so much and you know so much and I know my own experience and others I'm like so passionate about it that like I don't think how I feel about myself matters it's more like uh I treating people like humans you know what I mean it, it like I almost think how I feel about myself is like that doesn't matter that's actually not the point yeah yeah I guess so I think I don't know I think it's I think it's a hard one because I think whether it is being plus size or um skin tone or being super tall like being super short like I think there's so many things that if you don't fit into a certain whatever, and I used to hate beauty for this, I really had a hard time getting over it. And now I, I do this and, I, and it helps me to understand a lot better. And hopefully like for people listening, it helps it helps them to understand that whether you're quote unquote perfect or you fit into this demographic of, I don't know, whatever beauty is, even those people feel insecure about something, like we're all just navigating the same feelings a lot of the time just in a different way or a different form oh yeah and you're talking to someone that you would say is like mm-hmm. completely fits like every uh, you know stereotype of like beautiful and they'll tell you something about themselves or something about their life and or and you think 
God, I had no idea you felt like that. And I guess it's like humanizing because you can go the other way because you can be like, oh, like, oh, you're blonde and you're slim and you're like, like you're the perfect height and you're a model. Like, what do you have to, but it doesn't mean there's something that they don't have that they don't feel about. And it's just how like a society has, has deemed them like kind of perfect. Yeah, completely, completely. And I guess that leads nicely onto like, your socials and I know you talk a lot about inclusive beauty and creating a safe space in beauty like is that where that kind of conversation stemmed from yeah 100% and just I think just also yeah feeling kind of alienated with beauty and I even now I think beauty still has such a long way to go because I always say this every time but I get so annoyed like with brands like being diverse and I feel like you can really tell when it's not when it's disingenuous so like for example the it's not beauty but you know Dylan Mulvaney and the Budweiser campaign um so Dylan is trans and has literally was just it was just a I think it was almost like just an ad that she did where they'd put her face on a can or something and it like blew up and like far right America has just gone like the amount of transphobia and like they're all like refusing to buy Bud Light and stuff and I saw that Budweiser like this like the CEO put out a statement and it was almost like the words in it were almost like an apology it was a really weird statement of like they didn't like say they stood with Dylan it was very much like it, it was the wording of an apology and it's like I'm not saying they shouldn't have worked with Dylan but it's like in some ways it's like it wasn't genuine it it was disingenuous you used her and I'm kind of sick of brands it's like if you're going to work with a, a Dylan or someone you need to really be there for them for like the amount of hate she's had from it yep. and I just think I just see it so many times and it'll be like oh like I won't name the brand but like they'll do an ad campaign and it'll have like someone with like vitiligo, someone with like a prosthetic, but then you'll see they're doing like trips or like away like trips. And like, there's not a single like non diverse, I'm using quote marks person on the trip. And it's like, well, if this is so part of your like brand's DNA, like that would be the first thing you kind of think of. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm kind of, I feel like we've got to a better place in some ways. Like I did get, I got an SPF this morning from Skin Proud and I really liked it because it had, I don't have it, had a, like a plus size model, like, and you you don't really get that, or like the new Glossier lipsticks and they had an older model. And I was like, it's so nice when you see it and it feels, it does feel just like completely natural. They haven't been, I always said about Andrew Fitzsimons campaign where he had a plus size model and she was like, it was just her. She wasn't in a group. So I think when it is, how much it means to someone when it is genuine and you finally feel like seen for the first time like you can't you can't describe how that feels yeah yeah I I hear that and I think it's it's really important and for for brands to be doing it and it's really impactful when they get it right I think like from from my experience and I've spoken about it on here loads of times like I've worked for brands that you literally get a list and it's like white black asian mixed race and you literally i'm this again a bit of a reason why i started the podcast because i was like this is not you can't do this like take your list back and 
like just do my own thing um but I've also worked for brands that are really passionate about representing their consumer in a in an authentic way um so Inculus for example like I, w- I worked for them and and re- they were really passionate about having real faces it doesn't matter what you look like who you are whether you have a following like it doesn't matter it's let's get people in who are actually buying from us and and put them in our campaigns um yeah so nice to hear and I know that I know there are things like I always hear I don't know if it was ASOS that said it or someone else but like on like they on the curve section for example they always said that like bigger models if they use them the clothes didn't sell as well um and this I know there's things like that but I just if there's more of a kind of norm if it becomes more of the norm do you know what I mean where we're just using a true cross-section of people that do represent the people that we see every day do you know what I mean rather than just these people that you're just almost using like you are using them to an extent and if you're not if it isn't your focus and even like you know we've all seen the news stories of how they'll have like a disabled or someone with a disability and then the event doesn't have like disabled access or you know stuff like that where it's like if it's it's learning to everyone yeah completely and I think I do think I mean there are some brands that that do tick boxes or whatever but I do think brands have a hard selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Job in getting it right because of that stereotype that's come previously. So like what you were saying yeah. now about, you know, plus size products not selling as well. That's because we've all been told historically that, the goal is to be a size eight tall blonde model and it's not it's not realistic and it, and it's it's setting the standard is it setting the standard too high it's just setting a, an unrealistic approach to what is normal um yeah. and it's really sad it's really sad um but I agree that you know you sh- that more and more brands get into the conversation of reality then it, it will become more normal it's definitely yeah. it's just how far is it going to go yeah because even if you put it just like if you equate something like skincare where when the ordinary started and brandon who founded the ordinary and his idea was so like groundbreaking this idea that your skin care would be like ingredients led rather than like problem solving but now that's a huge thing and how many people now know could like list 
five, three skincare ingredients, whereas before they would never have a clue. They would just know like anti-aging day or night cream so that you can like shift. And just because it's been the norm doesn't mean it is the best way either. Yeah, I completely agree. I agree. And I think some of these smaller challenger brands are really making waves like The Ordinary is an amazing example for that um, and puts things into perspective of just how powerful you can you can be if you get it right. Yeah. I think beauty, beauty is an anomaly and I've always said this and it's like one, when you work in beauty, the community is insane. Like it's just womanhood and it's it's obviously not all positive and there are, there are aspects of it. But from my personal experience, it's where I've met some of my best friends. Like I've felt part of the community and it's really, everyone kind of looks out for each other. And again, I know there's there's um, other sides of that as well. But it's an industry that everyone is obsessed with, whether you like yeah. it or not. Like everyone is obsessed with beauty. I know why I think that is, but interested to hear like your thoughts on it and like dive deeper into the beauty chat. Um, I think... <sighs> I think because beauty gives people a kind of, it is problem solving. So a lot of people, they will be like, oh, have you tried this? Because it doesn't really work. You know, so that it appeals to that of like, you have a problem, this product can fix it. So it's almost kind of beauty sells, beauty still sells you a dream. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas other things like fashion, Apart from, say, if it was skims and it's saying that it's going to, you know, like, I don't know, it's going to help, like, smooth everything out. Fashion doesn't do the same thing. Like, beauty can solve a problem that you have you hate about yourself or just something that you want to improve about yourself or something that you've never done. Um, it's, like, almost like that bit of escapism as well. Um, and I just think people love trying beauty products because that's always the number one thing of like, oh, I bet you get loads of like products. That's always, that's always what follows up with like, oh, you're a beauty journalist. I bet you get loads of products. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it is trying, isn't it? But when I moved over to fashion, like I, uh, I don't know if I've said it up here before, but I wrote a massive email to like loads of people in the company because I used to get oh my God, your skin's so good automatically just because I work for a skincare brand. <laughs> what, what products are the best? Does hyaluronic acid really work? Like, do you need eye cream? What moisture? And I was like, whoa, let's all calm down. But it was, it's funny because it was like, I don't know. It was like, how do I do this? How do I get better this? How do I get better that? Which foundation works with, with which moisturizer? And it's almost like one, wanting to achieve an outcome a bit like what you said but two like there's so much noise around it on socials and in magazines and um in content that we all consume every day and like even in like social groups like it's such a talking point that it just makes people like fascinated and like have this infatuation with like wanting the best thing it's so yeah and it's just yeah because even like with my friends and stuff and I I think like I don't know, like, say if, like, I've done an ad or something and they know that I, like, like, one of my friends works for me, so sees, like, what I turned down. And then one of my other friends will be like, so does that really work? And then, like, I wouldn't have, didn't you see me? Like, I wouldn't have spoken about it if it did. I think there's, like, real, like, scepticism from people. 
but if you get that just one word of mouth like word of mouth is such a I think that's why so many things go like viral on TikTok right so many random older products that have been out for ages because if you find someone that can kind of vouch for it you're like okay I'm gonna try it yeah it's really interesting yeah the amount of people that ask yeah so many and it's also really hard because sometimes it's like I don't know if I can help you with that you know I mean it's difficult of like uh because I don't know your skin type and it's like I don't want to recommend because often it'll be like should I get this like would it help my skin and it's like what if I tell you yes and it doesn't <laughs> yeah and it is and I think it's just I say this to the guys that work all the time like I just know my skin really well like I know which brands yeah. work for it I know which don't and some stuff that like trends just doesn't work for me and I know it won't so like I just stick to what I know and also I keep it really simple because they're also like bored about hearing but I'm like I use five products and they work and it doesn't I think think, I think that's also the key like people that have like these really like elaborate morning routines I'm like (laughs) my SPF in the morning cleanse my face and do an SPF and that's it (laughs) what are some of like your favorite beauty products or like some stuff that you just love doing my favorite so I love anything like skin barrier so I'm obsessed with my skin barrier so I love all of like CeraVe if anyone ever asked me for a cleanser I normally always just like go to Boots and get the hydrating CeraVe and you'll be fine um makeup wise I love like a glowy lightweight foundation so um I love what have I used I have a lot of random brands so I was obsessed with this one by Face Atelier because I found out it was used on Euphoria. So that's really nice. Like MAC Face and Body, uh, the makeup by Mario one. I like a lot of like, I'm obsessed with always finding what's used. I find it really interesting what makeup artists use because that always tends to be the stuff that's really good. Um, So yeah, any kind of glowy foundation, cream blush, I remember like when I first started Cosmo, my beauty director was obsessed with the cream blush. And I think I was just like, oh, I didn't get it. But now I'm like, oh, cream blush. Inject it into my veins. Never want to go back to you once you started using it. Yeah. Um, but I, I get so excited about beauty. And I, I think that's why, like not, a lot of people talk about like imposter syndrome and things. And I feel like I don't have that because I know how much I love beauty. Like I'm such a beauty geek. I'm like, no, I'm good at my job because I just care so much. Like I'm honestly such an absolute like get a life beauty geek. I think, I mean, you kind of have to be if you're a journalist in the industry. But you say that, but so many people aren't. Like a lot of people, like you know, they they're not. I not obviously everyone, but some people really kind of. I always remember when I started. And it was, I think it was a bit of a class thing, to be honest. I remember like one of the beauty directors is not in it anymore. She wouldn't wear a single scrap of makeup. And I remember thinking like, and she definitely like would judge people that would. But I was like, I don't understand how you can be surrounded by all this makeup and not want to put it on your face. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, and just have no interest. But I think everyone has probably like a more of a, specialism you know so some people it is more of skincare than makeup uh some people it's more like fragrance or hair so I I think that can also come into it like so I know Inga my old boss didn't really care about makeup but skin I I mean I still message her now like if any of my friends have something and I can't work it out I'll always message Inga yeah yeah yeah. 
yeah I think I think that's that's true and I think I've worked in makeup and skincare and I loved skincare more but I think for me I'm way more about like the emotive side of it so skincare for me when you see someone's skin change and you see them change is really amazing because a lot of people get pet up or insecure about acne for example which was always a big thing when I worked in skincare and to be able to help someone through a product that you're marketing was always really cool to me um yeah so I, I think you're right I think loads of people love it for for such different things especially if they're like oh, I've tried everything and like the one thing you you recommended actually worked for them yeah yeah definitely um let's talk about like writing and your because you obviously write loads about loads of different stuff but let's just share a little bit about that and like your approach to writing um yeah so I was obviously like so I didn't go to uni I don't have like an English degree um but I had a blog (laughs) um and I have always been I know it's like I feel like people gonna listen to this and be like no but I think I'm quite a good storyteller so when I started working at Cosmo and I was still PA um because back in the day when I interned and this is why it's hard now because people reach out to me and they're like how can I get into journalism and sometimes I feel like I'm probably not the best person to ask because it's so different now but you know back in the day you didn't really get to write much because they were monthly or weekly magazines where you would be doing stuff like I remember for some of the weeklies I'd be doing like competition winners send outs or like completely random things that weren't the websites but when I was PA the websites were in full swing and it was just about like content 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 so I remember like first being given a story to write about Ed Sheeran for the website and I remember sitting there thinking (gasps) like it was such a huge thing my first ever like byline um but I was really lucky when I finally got beauty assistant when I was kind of given it on a trial I was basically given my first ever feature print feature was seven pages and I kind of knew I was like this is definitely a test but Farah Storr who was editor at Cosmo at the time she took me into her office and basically taught me how to like lay out a feature and I feel so lucky that I had that training because I think and this isn't to shade anyone because I think to be a like if you're just a purely digital journalist your skills you have to have different skill sets. You have to know how to use Photoshop. You have to know how to, you know, SEO and prioritize search things. But to be taught how to kind of actually lay out a feature and write, that was like invaluable. And then Inga, who was my beauty director, was, oh my God, the harshest critic. She would, so you would file to her and it would you would dread it. You would literally just be sitting there like, oh, and the worst would be like if she'd start reading it next to you because she'd have a red pen and she was, Inga was such a character, but she would literally sit there, head in her hands and be like, <laughs> and like be crossing. And then she'd give you your feedback every time. Like she'd never take you into like a little meeting room. She would give you your feedback at the desk in front of everyone. And she'd be like, I don't know where you're going with this. Like she was like, and her, her phrase was always, you have to take the reader by the hand. Um, and I remember for ages, I just was like, I don't get what she means by that. Like, I don't understand it. Like, I thought this was good and you're saying it's not good. And you'd have to do so many edits. But now I feel like if I was given a seven page feature, 
it wouldn't scare me in that way it's like I know exactly what to do with it so I think honestly that kind of like just hands I think I was lucky that although I didn't have necessarily have that education I had a real like hands-on training with it like and it and it's hard it's like firing to different people because also once it gets through Iga it would then go to the sub-editor who would then give it back to you and then it would go to the editor who give it back to you so you could have one piece of of like writing come back to you like five times and honestly by like that fifth time you're like I don't even care about this feature I don't like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, like I don't ever want to see this again yeah but it was I feel so lucky and I do think that's one thing that's really sad now that people don't get like there's just they just don't get it because there's not time there's not enough people print isn't the same but I also feel like there's a lot of people that I I don't know like obviously now when I edit other people's work and I just I try and give like a different approach to Inga but I try and give feedback because I'm like you need to improve your writing like it's it's not great but I also know they haven't had that same training which at the time felt really difficult but I'm so glad I had it yeah there's so much to be said for like harsh critiques or being in a challenging environment because I was the same I worked for a creative agency like my first job when I was really young and it was savage like savage and it was go 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 all the time we'd be in different countries you'd come back you never get a day off like you wouldn't have any leave like hit the ground back from the airport you go back and you and I we we had an MD who was really really harsh on all of us and there was like eight girls I'm still really good friends with all of them now but boy it stood me in such good stead for like the rest of my career that's followed because I can take feedback and it doesn't it it makes me stronger not weaker I don't don't take and I'm like this is I think especially like if you're a bit like how we said we were where we're like you can get a bit overwhelmed and you're not it can fit it's really hard to but also it makes you it does make you strong because you're like oh I can take that and and I also think it shapes you how as you move on with your career and how you become that person that's having to like delegate to other people it makes you realize how you want to communicate and how it's hard because sometimes I get stuff and and it's like I'm like oh is it nice and not to tell them this isn't very good or I'm like, actually, no, like, I can tell them they could do better. Like, I try and word it in that way of, like, a few times, like, I've just put someone, like, I'm like, you could do better than this, yeah. like, on, like, like on a headline or a cell. And that it's almost, like, kind of challenging them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, it, I know, yeah, that kind of thing of, oh, just that constant, not living in fear, but just like that, oh, it's in the, in the moment, it's really hard. Yeah. And I think um, I think when you're younger, especially in your early 20s, like everything's so important in your career, isn't it? And you take everything so personally and and it's harder to receive hard feedback. Whereas now I ask for it. I'm like, my manager thinks I'm crazy at times, but I'm like, just tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can get better. I kind of thrive a bit now. Yeah. yeah and I also like say if I've had stuff now that I've like if I've done a pitch and I they don't come back with any, any edits, I'm like, well, they didn't even read it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even read it properly because I know there's at least one edit in there. Um, <laughs> so it's funny how it's because it, you then expect like better of yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like you raise your own standards. Definitely. Um, in because obviously the um the press can get a bit of a bad rep in terms of beauty and and it, and and historically it's it's a lot to blame for 
setting these high beauty standards how as a journalist do you write content and articles and publish content that is balanced or that you feel balanced so I think again really lucky from who I've learned from so in terms of my language one person I always say Paisley Gilmore who's a sex and relationships writer I did a podcast with her at Cosmo um all the way with you can still listen to it little um shout out and I learned so much from Paisley in terms of like inclusive language um and making sure that you're not just assuming everyone you're writing to is um in a heterosexual relationship you know is like a cis woman so I really credit her because I always just think of like what would Paisley say so I think definitely like learning from other people has massively helped me and the same also with kind of hair because it's so embarrassing to think but like when I first used to write about hair I was just writing about hair assuming that everyone had hair like me do you know what I mean like and I I'm like mortified to say that out loud now but it, it's true like I just wouldn't even kind of think so and then so now whenever I write about hair and sometimes it is hard like you do have to have you know I've had stuff come back from editors and I'm like well no we need to have that in where we need to add a separate section for you know whether you have like European straight hair wavy curly to coily or whether you do it by curl pattern and um, you do need I need that extra word count because this can't all fit in I think it's <laughs> holding yourself to a standard and because it, it's it's really easy in some ways it would make your life easier so many times it would make my life easier if I just was ignorant to it do you know what I mean and you can you can still be like it would it would be less work it would take me you know like when you're trying to get quotes from people and it would be so much easier if I just went to the same dermatologist that I know can turn around a quote in a day but if I want to make sure that I'm including like people from different walks of life you know it's it's like challenging yourself so it is it is it sounds bad to say it's difficult but it does give you more work yeah. but I think the outcome is better um so you, and then the beauty standards I completely went off track there and the beauty standards yeah. it's, diff, it's difficult because with online say with online the difference with print you could write about anyone and you don't really get to know the feedback but with print you can see how many people clicked on that article right and it's like I would get so annoyed at Cosmo where you'd always get the Facebook people be like why do you insist on making the Kardashians famous it's like it's all you want to read about yeah. you know and we would always do this thing of like trying uh like, I'm obsessed with and Emma Chamberlain is even a good example because she isn't in any way diverse but I love Emma Chamberlain and I would try and make Emma Chamberlain happen but people just wouldn't like kind of click but also it's sometimes and not say with an Emma but say with like um oh like Simone Biles when it was the Olympics and trying to like do a story on her hair and just sometimes just doing them and just trying different people and it's it's difficult because I will be honest it is the same kind of celebrities that everyone does seem to care about but you still make an effort to write about the ones that you know won't get as many clicks, but it's important that you don't have an entire website of like Kim, Kylie, Hendo and Chloe, you know? And I think it's, yeah. And I think when you work for somewhere like Cosmo or you're writing for, for um, 
bigger publications, you've you've kind of got that space because you've got that wiggle room where not every single article has to have that. Yeah. Because um, I was going to say again, I was lucky in the sense that Cosmo would let you do that in the sense of that they were also very passionate about it and like they would want us to make sure that we were representing and I know that if it did poorly and I was like well look it's because I felt like we hadn't represented a single non-European hair type for so long they would 100% have my back but I I do get it if you're if you work somewhere different and it's not and it's so numbers focused but also I just think that is an example of where you almost can't be again it's that thing of a brand genuinely caring and I I think Cosmo genuinely care but I obviously don't know if every every other brand doesn't necessarily genuinely care yeah it's a tricky one isn't it because I I had um uh I had a lady called Jamelia on and she's um it will be out by the time this is out but she has um a subscription hair care brand for um like kinky curly hair and I I've got a lot of friends who are black and mixed race but I just didn't know anything about it to the extent that she knew so I was like I just sat and asked all loads of questions and actually we recorded it and and it and it will go out next week but it's good f- sometimes I'm I'm like is it good for me to be vulnerable but equally it is because if I'm learning then everybody listening to this is learning and I see it as a duty of care to have loads of different types and styles and varieties of people on here because then I'm opening to learn which means then listeners are open to learn and then you get loads of different viewpoints and I think that like this is on a tiny scale but when you when it is somewhere like Cosmo it is their responsibility to do the same thing and to share as many stories from diverse backgrounds as possible and also like yeah like you say in that instance you are putting yourself because it's hard you don't want to appear ignorant you don't you want to be like it's not that I'm racist it's not that I don't care and I think sometimes I'm just admitting where you you don't know and I think it's really I think it's really I don't know it's, I know exactly what you mean it's really difficult sometimes to be like well I just don't I just don't know like can you yeah can you help me and also like some people might that someone on Twitter might like get really annoyed by that but you're coming from like a good place you're coming from a place of wanting to learn and if that person wants to teach you then kind of why not because I always say like one of the things I I've shared this before I always remember so Carl, who used to work on Sugarscape, he now works for the charts. I absolutely love him. Also, I don't know if it's just called the charts, but he's very hyper music. And um, I was still like, hadn't been at Cosmo that long and Sugarscape and Cosmo works in the same office. And I was talking to him and I described something as gay, like as in a negative way. And that was something at school that like, in the era that I grew up just happened and it just came out of my mouth. I didn't even think of it. And he like called me up on it. And I remember even now, like I literally think about that and I just feel so like absolutely ashamed. But I'm I'm so glad he did it to me. Not at the time, at the time I was like, oh my God, I hate myself. But it was always like, because it was language that I had just, it was just learned language. I didn't even, it just came out of my mouth. You know, and I almost needed that to be like, just no, think about what you're saying. Like I wasn't thinking before I spoke. And I remember I wanted to share that once in an article and I think they took it out because they were like, that could be interpreted wrong. But I was like, no, I want to show that it was, it was something that like, I just hadn't considered. And then as soon as I did, oh my God, I never did it again because I would just think of Carl and how like, 
his reaction was just like did you just so it's hard to make yourself vulnerable in that situation it is and I think it we're all learning and I think the world is changing so much at a fast pace where I keep using the word exposure but we are all exposed to loads of different people and styles and voices and creative and interpretations of different stuff and backgrounds and lifestyles that we can't know it all so like I have such a thing of you don't know what you don't know and it's okay to ask a question obviously if it comes from the right place and it's articulated in a way that shows that you mean it in an authentic way um yeah and and so like even things like I remember when I first started at Cosmo and um and it's gonna sound like crazy but I didn't know I don't know if there was anyone Jewish at my school I don't know like South London doesn't have like where I am in Croydon not aware that there's a huge like Jewish community so I remember at Cosmo like I was writing Christmas cards and I was like but what do I do for the people that are Jewish and I was just like, I just, I was like, do I give them a card? Is that like offensive to give them a card? But is it more offensive to not give them a card? And you know, when you're just like, it's it's really difficult, because especially when you just want to do like the right thing. And and it's, yeah, it's really hard. And that's why I think you should, we shouldn't like shy away from these discussions. Like it's obvious when someone's coming from a place of malice, but when you're coming from a genuine place of like, I want to do the right thing, how else like are we going to learn? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, I think it I think it's good, but I do think it's it is one of those things that feels like a challenge a lot of the time because it's what is right and what's wrong and I just want to And also the fact that like someone will say that's right and someone else will say that's wrong. Yeah. If you want to know, I ended up giving everyone a Christmas card, but like for some <laughs> people, I just put have a nice break. <laughs> hard, isn't it? I think yeah, and a lot of brands are changing their language around Christmas to say, yeah, and taking like Eid into into consideration and like Hanukkah and I think I think that is also really important because again, like I guess yeah, these huge Christian holidays, um, but also like Eid and like Diwali, they are absolutely huge for communities as well. And I think I think the problem is people think that like. By acknowledging Eid, you were somehow taking away from like a Christian holiday, and it's like no, you're just well, not ignoring one that's existed for a long time, and a lot of people celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think there's space for everyone and everything. So yeah, I th- I think that's the main main thing, don't you think? I think people just think that by giving space to someone else, you're taking away space from them, and I think it's just showing that that's not, not the case. Yeah, I just think there's such vibrancy in celebrating different lifestyles and religions. And and I've said it on here quite a few times, but my best friend is really religious. She's Christian. And the stuff that I've learned that I've never, I didn't know existed. I didn't know this lifestyle existed. I didn't know a belief in this way existed or faith or, and it's so interesting. And we just sit and I ask her questions and she'll ask me questions. And I'm just like, this is broadening my mindset so much and I find it I find it fascinating because it's I, I mean it makes me tick to I've got a podcast it obviously makes me tick to yeah curious about other people's lives but I think it just it does open your mindset a lot yeah that just meeting different people and like and the effect they then have on you like I always say about like Paisley I would never have met Paisley if it wasn't through work but like she's impacted my life in such a positive way so 
yeah those conversations with people it's only like I think it could only lead to good things yeah I agree I agree just kind of changing the topic a little bit but what has been like a career highlight for you both in beauty and in journalism I was like gonna be like I have to think of it I was like no 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 I know so um I definitely think when I did this morning for the first time I've done it a few times um but definitely doing that and being like oh my fuck I'm on live tv how did that come I swear, about? I swear by the way yeah of course go for it <laughs> um so it came about because Vicky Laycock who is the producer well she looks after I think she does lifestyle and beauty she just reached out to me and was like do you want to come in and do it like a test and I was just like oh my god like are you joking me and then I remember went in did like a little rehearsal and it's so weird like being on that set you know you're just like I'm in the tv and it happened really quick and like Vicky is I absolutely love Vicky she is I think we're quite similar we're both quite like chaotic and she has the world's busiest job so it's very much like she'll whatsapp you and be like can you do the show this Friday Mm -hmm. um and I remember like I just did it with like Holly and Phil and like I just remember being there and then them starting the countdown of like five, four, and you know, you just feel the sweat coming and then like you're just talking and like before you know it's over. Um and then I remember the mic guy was taking off my mic and, and I was like, I'm really sorry, my back's really sweaty. <laughs> um <laughs> but then I did it. I've I feel really proud that I've done it with all of them. So I've done Holly and Phil, Eamon and Ruth. And Alison and Dermot. So I'm like, I've if I never do it again, at least I did them all. Yeah. Um, so definitely this morning, just because I think the fact that like I I feel so proud of myself that I did live TV, like it was terrifying. And I genuinely felt quite ill like for a few days afterwards. And I think that was like adrenaline leaving my body. But I just feel so proud of myself that I did that. Um and secondly would be would be Mario so Mario makeup by Mario um he, he I did a feature with him back in the day and do you know what there's there's a story uh, I haven't told anyone this I would I'll tell you the nice thing and I'll tell you, then I'll tell you that um and then when Sephora launched here last year he was coming over and being interviewed and he asked if I would do the interview and that was so I had to do like present it to like um to a room of like 50 people at the Sephora event. And that was such a highlight, the fact that he asked for me. And like I just love that man. <laughs> I've met him before, he's great, isn't he? He's just so kind. Um, but yeah, the story I haven't told because sometimes also I feel like we still mess you could you can still mess up now, right? So I had this Mario feature, and basically all come round um like obviously you'll know this people will email be like so and so is in town and like their publicist will reach out and if there's anything you want to do so his publicist reached out that mario was in town this was before his brand and like did we want to do anything and it was it's hard with mario because i think because he is so popular everyone has done something with him and i remember it was inga again inga forwarded it to me and she was like if you can think of a feature that Farrell want to read who was our editor she was like I'm happy for you to like so basically pitch that we would do like Farrell's obsessed with the idea of that he probably had all these really rich private clients and all of this and she was like oh he can transform you and see what you look like so the whole picture was of him to do my makeup 
so which we did and the shoot went really well he brought his mum and I was so proud of this feature because I knew how happy it would like make him to like have just a feature on him you know like even though it was there were things in there that maybe challenged him slightly I think a bit like how you were saying with journalists normally the makeup artist is like behind the scenes and it all just very much tied to Kim but there was an error in the feature when it came to print so when it came to print I you have you send it like they don't get a copy beforehand so even like a cover style wouldn't get the first time they see it is when you know you would email a pdf or send them a copy so I sent his agent or his publicist um a pdf of the feature and basically there was an error where it said that he was from Armenia but he's actually from Albania and I cannot tell, even to this day, I can't even, I don't even know why I'm telling you this, because it is one of those stories that, like, haunts me. You know, when you suddenly think of something, it just makes you feel sick. And basically, the transcription is one of those things where you're like, how the fuck did this happen? And I remember his agent was initially really angry and then apologised to me. And we could amend, I couldn't amend the print, but I could amend, like, digital and I could amend the PDF and all of that. Um, but I was so upset because it was like, all I wanted to do with this feature was to show like I don't know I just thought like Mario will be so happy with it and all I could think was I've ruined the entire thing and basically um sometimes like you would an intern would help you with transcribing and so someone had helped me transcribing but also that's still on me to fact check it and we had subs but our normal sub was on holiday so it was someone else you know it was just like a chain of events but ultimately it's like my yeah. It was my feature and it should have been me. So that is something where you can fuck up still happen. And like they are horrible when they do. And I always say this, but it's always better to just come clean. So I remember like the next day telling the head sub who would be on holiday and telling her. And she was like, No, thank you for telling me. And she was like, and she was kind of annoyed. She was like, I was like, Well, you had holiday, it's not your fault. And also, again, like telling Mario's agent, I've like, been like, it's just like a mistake. And it's really hard to say that sometimes, but it's so much better than just like, throwing someone else under the bus or like making up a web of lies to like cover it. Yeah, completely. That's and also the fact that it's still like something great still came from it. But oh, my God, I think about that. and I just want to be sick. No. And I, I think like that was a really cool story, by the way. So thanks for sharing it. Um, <laughs> But he, yeah, I think, I think making mistakes is human. I think it's human, but I learned making mistakes like and earning up to them the hard way because I used to get in trouble all the time because I'd make little, little, just nothing big, but then I'd try and cover it up. And I'm the same as you. Like it's way better to just own it. And it's actually, it's okay. But it's funny how like a tiny little thing like that can ruin the whole experience. And that it's interesting. Yeah. That's the thing that you go to when you think about it looking back. Yeah, I hate that, but it's always what I think of. I'm like, oh, but it's also like, it, it was a learning, you know, everything's, a, but sometimes it's like, I, I didn't want to have a learning from that. Yeah, yeah I just <laughs> wanted to go smoothly. Have you got like a bad mistake you've made that you can think of? God, I used to fuck up all the time. My attention to detail is horrendous, but I know it is now, so I have to take like greater care. But I'm I'm so scatty as a person. Like I'm here, there, and everywhere. My brain's flying around in a hundred different conversations or topics at any one time. What have I? I don't know. 
probably way back when I can't think of one right now off the top of my head when I was a PA as well that I learned that owning up to your mistakes from being a PA because again I wasn't the best PA and I remember I'd like double booked Louise for something and I just had to I remember I was on my lunch break I realized I did it you know like an all lunch break you're like what am I going to do what am I going to do and I almost like without thinking just straight after my lunch break just like knocked on an office and went in and just like like blurted it out and told her and she was like fine and I think the thing is it's like obviously she was annoyed but like you're never going to be like angry with someone who's like obviously standing there like I've like I've messed up here like it's just yeah it's annoying but we'll move on from it whereas and so that's why I always remember and I'm always telling my friends like if they've done something and they're like oh what should I say and I'm just be honest so much better to be honest 100% final question that I ask everyone on the show is what is your version of beauty oh god um does everyone always do that as well like oh god even (laughs) if you sent the questions in advance (laughs) (laughs) my version of beauty is I I still would just say it's self it's self-expression it's just how I want to represent myself to the world and how people want to represent themselves and whether that is very if I'm having a bit of a wild moment and I want to get out you know like the rhinestones and have like a euphoria moment or whether you know you want your like nude lip and your mascara just to feel like that bit more polished or whether I want to look like I have no makeup on have the greasiest hair and film a TikTok it's just how it's just experience expressing myself and just being who I am I love that I love that and I think there's so much to be said for just removing the pressure like letting it all go and just being you like learning to be yourself I think is one of the most content spaces you can be in yeah and I feel like it's a constant journey and also by the way if you can hear that gurgitating that is my washing machine it's not me <laughs> As we're getting all deep and meaningful, my, my washing machine is like draining out. Like, <laughs> I, I can't hear it. Um... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. It was really, I feel like it was a really wholesome conversation and it was really nice to just share thoughts and opinions and chat. So thank you. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and leave us a review. 